0: You wouldn't believe. I walked in with this sling on and these guys, they remember you and they remember your whole name and they remember everything about you and they run across the room to hug you, you know? Like, it's just its just the most incredible thing.
1: Ladies and gentlemen. Hi, everybody. Good evening. Are you ready? Keep this frequency clear. I know you're going to dig this. Oh, yeah. Okay, here we go. Check, check
0: it out.
1: Hi, this is George Free from MartialArtsMedia.com and welcome to the Martial Arts Media Business Podcast, episode number lucky, 13. So today I have a different guest with me, different in the sense of not a martial arts business owner, although she has a leading organization within the martial arts industry and she's also a martial arts expert, Jess Fraser. And once again, I the attempt was to go one angle and the conversation really evolved into some deep elements and there's some real gold there for you as a martial arts business owner. The reason why I want to do interview Jess is she's quite the jet setter. She travels all over the world. I've been following her on social media for a while and if she's not in New York, she is in Canada, she is around America, Las Vegas, she is in Bali, she's in Melbourne. So she's truly living the martial arts lifestyle of just being passionate about training and learning, and also have a great organization, Australian Girls and Gear, which we're going to talk more about. So first up, some news and what's been happening. So you might have seen posts around, depending on when you're listening to this, of course, about a survey that we've been running at martialartsmedia.com forward slash survey. And it's all about discovering what it is you as the martial arts business owner needs, are struggling with, your pain points, and what the obstacles are that we can Find out where things are going wrong, what do you need help with, that we can interview better guests, and of course that we can deliver better content and better solutions. And the result of that is putting together a web class that is going to be invaluable by the way it's going now, and and I'm not saying that to toot my own horn here, it's, it's, it's shaping up to be a, a very valuable piece of information that I'm going to give away for free that most people would pay would be charging a lot of money for. That's just from comparing to what the information that is that is floating around the internet at the moment and what people are being told to do with marketing their martial arts school, I can tell you it will it could be a good game changer for you. And that's not me to hype up the the training. Um, it's It's truly a decade's worth of experience and other people's experience that is going into this. So I'm really looking forward to releasing that. So, Uh, depending on when you're listening to this, we'll keep the survey going because uh, no matter when you are listening to this, we'll we'll keep it it running so that we can keep adjusting our approach and keep interviewing more guests and keep optimizing the delivery of our content, which is what you would probably have seen with a few solo, solo type shows coming out and solo videos. It's all based on the feedback that I'm getting through the survey so thank you for that if you have completed it if you haven't it's at martialartsmedia.com forward slash survey it'll take you about two minutes much appreciate it if you can do that for us if you're enjoying the show and you would like to leave us a review we would much appreciate it it truly helps us in the rankings uh, if you go to you can just go actually martialartsmedia.com forward slash itunes so i have put the link there so martialartsmedia.com forward slash itunes and that will lead you to iTunes and just leave us a review. A five-star review would be magic, but an honest review would be appreciated. All right. So that's it from me. Please welcome to the show, Jess Fraser. Good day, everyone. Today, I have with me a different guest. Now, what, if you've been following the podcast for a while, we've been talking to, to martial arts business owners, martial arts school owners, and getting their perspective on how they run their business, how they do their marketing, and all the rest. So today I wanted to turn the table, and I wanted to bring in an expert martial artist, but not just anyone, someone who travels the globe, truly lives the martial arts lifestyle, is, I don't think she's ever in Australia. Well, I did catch her in Australia now. And I want to welcome you to the show, Jess Fraser. How are you doing today, Jess? Yeah, great, George. Thanks for having me. All right, cool. So a bit of an intro, but First and foremost, from your side, who is Jess Fraser?
0: Um, <laughs> that's a big question, isn't it? <laughs> um, but I guess for the purposes of today, <laughs> the easiest answer is I am um, black belt. I have recently received my black belt from um, my coach, Justin Seidel, who is based out of Bali MMA. Um, I guess that um, he, he's – an American guy. He's from San Fran and, and he's now based out there. So part of like that sort of sums up um, like what I'm like. I'm quite international and um, a bit of a gypsy which some people think is a bad thing and I think is a really like great thing. But I do, yeah, I, I travel the world um, playing jiu-jitsu. I've been based out of Australia for a long time but um, for the past like 14 months I've been travelling um, exclusively for jiu-jitsu and plan to do so for the next year or so again. Um, so, yeah, like I'm a black belt. I'm also the, in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, I'm um, also the head and founder of um, a huge organisation called Australian Girls and Gay, which is Australia-focused but, of course, has um, female members from all over the world. Um, and basically we're a gym and affiliate neutral Um, community organization that uh, fosters the growth and development and retention predominantly um, of women in the sport of jiu-jitsu so that's kind of been my greatest achievement in life both of those two things (laughs) and i'm 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 living a life based around them yeah
1: all right awesome so i'll be definitely going to expand on the on the girls and gi um Mm. but but for now just a, a, a bit more so Just about just sort of your martial arts career. So you do travel a lot. So I take it there's a lot of competitions involved and tournaments?
0: Yes, well, there was. Like I started competing very early on, I think, um, 10 months into my journey I was doing the ADCC trials and and came second in that. Um, And, yeah, and then about a year later I was already in Abu Dhabi representing Australia as a a blue belt. So there's been a lot of competition for me, um, but mainly it was because I felt like, to lead an organisation like I wanted to, I really needed to be an authority in some way and because I didn't have the belt that I wanted to be the leader that I wanted, I felt like I had to prove myself through competition um, and I guess like over the years I've, I've realised that um, maybe your accolades don't mean as much as how you treat people um, and what you give to the community and how you are within the community, you know. like well, Maybe it does but you don't. you don't exclusively need to be a competitor to be a great leader. And um at the time, you know, it was a blue belt or a purple belt or a brown belt even, I felt like I needed to compete a lot. So my competing was prolific. I've been to Abu Dhabi three times, uh, so won the trials three times, um, which is pretty good run. Um, and yeah, like I'm a like Naga champ and all that kind of stuff and I have done a bunch, like the advanced division of Naga or whatever. Um I've been to the worlds a bunch of times and, and I've won medals there and I've won medals once I've got over to Abu Dhabi and I've done all that kind of stuff. I've never taken the top spot, which is um, you know like is it I would love to but at the same time I, I'm in, I'm in the game you know I'm, I'm running with the pack and I'm proud of that so and I have been at each belt level so um, yeah that's kind of been me as a competitor I have a background of I came from a background of teaching Krav Maga I was an instructor in that for a long time and before that I was a yoga instructor so my life for the past uh, I guess thirteen years has been quite physical, and the last ten years has been in um, self-defense and, and martial arts as,
1: as a whole. Yeah. Okay, I, I find it interesting that you that you say that you had this bigger vision all along, and that you felt that doing all these achievements in martial arts was what's going to allow you to 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 be recognized as that leader. And that, is it? I, I, Marani saying you, so you didn't really felt like you could be the leader that you are with your organization based on your martial arts credentials.
0: Yeah, I felt like um, uh, though it was, maybe it was just a, a personal um, perception, um but I definitely felt like sort of that, I mean in australia i'm the I'm the twelfth female to earn her black belt in Australia. so you know like we couldn't even fill a bus, you know, like <laughs> there's not many of us and and there's not many brown belt women. So it's really quite new in Australia to have a female black belt at, at the table, as it were, you know. Like there is so many um, male black belts here. The community is actually really strong and really large, um, but as far as females, not so much. So um, I sort of felt a bit of a, but who are you? And sort of a, but who do you think you are? To start this organisation that was a bit challenging for, for some of the old school guys and I say guys because I mean the guys it wasn't the women that were stopping me from doing it so there was a lot of um pushback about um creating an organization that was about breaking down the walls of um cross training you know and and really bringing women together to train now I had to like it's not like Australian Girls and Gee Gi was aimed to like only be like, oh, we're all about unity and all gyms should come together. The fact of the matter is, there was just only one female at each gym. So, if we wanted to train with other females, we just simply, like, it was just, you know, out of necessity. So, um, that kind of cross training and, like, all welcome policy, it's not that I was ever going to exclude anyone, but we desperately needed the coaches that were men to give us the green light on that, you know? Like, it's only just now in the last, like, year or so that uh, female coaches are emerging in Australia of higher rank. Um, yeah, and I, I felt like um, as a lower rank, I didn't I didn't have, yeah, that authority of the black belt all the 20 years in martial arts or whatever, you know. Like I sort of – I did have a lot of experience in yoga and, and Krav Maga, but we all know that that's not necessarily um, transferable, definitely not physically. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, like I, I felt like I had to do my time and earn the respect of the community and whether that be um, – proving myself out on the mats or like proving myself like with my rank or the quality of my jiu or whatever I just felt like I had to be I had to like just not get anything wrong you know like not cause any dramas with anyone try not to cause any politics like just like really toe the line so I could let this thing happen you know and um yeah like I also think that even if I was a competitor that was losing a lot that would be for the community too at least they'd see me trying and failing you know like and that in itself would lead um, other women that wanted wanted a hero in that department as well you know <laughs> like so either way it would have been fine I just needed I needed to be trying I needed to be like perceived to be trying um yeah so so I could be really part of the community you know like from the get-go from my very first competition I competed, and then I was straight on one of the tables saying, "Hey, look, can you know, do you need some help? And can I run this table?" And I was always volunteering, and I was always helping run events, and you know, like from the get-go, just trying to be as proactively involved in the community as possible, whether that be out on the mats or refing or whatever. You know, I just I just needed to be everywhere um, to try and, and, and make this thing happen for Australian girls and gay, and and it and it worked. You know, like whether my process was right or wrong. <laughs> Doesn't matter. We've ended up in a really great place, you know. So yeah.
1: okay. So I can understand it, because it's got to be hard to avoid politics. Because and 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 <laughs> and and I I said we'll get to this later, but we we're talking about it <laughs> now, so we might just we might just expand on it and then go back to to all the other stuff we wanted to discuss. But yeah, I I can see how that it, there's got to be some politics and a feel of uh, a business threat in a way that. If there's this mm. organization under your own organization, um, mm. what does it involve? How do you get that message across to explain to people what it is about and how that it might benefit their organization? With, yeah, with our training so, and geese.
0: I mean, yeah. Like uh, the thing is, the gyms that aren't open to cross training and aren't open to like opening their da- doors either way, like in or out. Just aren't involved, and that that's totally fine. I'm not, I'm not um, a missionary. I'm not trying to convert them. If that's like what that style gym requires, that's totally what they want to do, you know. And I'm not, I'm not interested in pushing back on that. Like I'm not trying to make change. I'm trying to foster help for those um, women um, out in the community that don't have another female to train with, and their coach is like, you know what, you need, you need to roll with another chick, you know, <laughs> like. I want to be able to like solve that problem for her, you know, like so the gyms that are really into it and feel safe and secure with like an open doors policy or a visitors policy or a you know travelers policy, um, yeah, they're they're really really involved, you know, and and what we can see and we absolutely is proven is I can prove to you um, student retention. So if you're a if you're a, a coach and very often business owner, which is often the same person. <clears throat> I can, I can prove to you that I, I can positively influence the retention of your members. Now we all know that that's just as difficult as sales, you know, like and just as important as sales is to keep them. Yes. So if I can help you with that, you know, like I can help your income. <laughs> it's simple as that. Like the amount of women that stay in the sport that that tell me, look, Jess, you're the reason that I'm still here, is ridiculous. Like it really. They call me. They have me as a service that they can message me they can contact me online and stuff you know like and when they're having a hard time or really feeling like they can they want to give up they reach out either to me personally or the Australian girls and gay community and we keep them like we save them you know okay yeah, cool so so,
1: so let's mm. uh, so, and sorry to interrupt but i guess yeah because we've gone down this track now we just got to take it one step back and what yeah. <laughs> how does it exactly work what exactly is the organization about
0: so what it is uh predominantly um like my day-to-day is um an online forum that's very heavily moderated um on facebook so we have a public page that people um like fans and mainly like male teammates and stuff and fans of female jujitsu and that kind of thing um they follow that and they can see our events coming up and you know, like see the photos and the like what we're just getting done on the public page. And then that sort of filters down. There's a second tier of the thing and it's um, the members and the members are all in a closed group. Um, it's just one of those group forums on, on Facebook. Each person that sends me a request gets a relatively large <laughs> letter of terms and conditions as a response when they, they send that request through. And um it's full of things of like the terms and conditions of involvement. Now, there's no fees or anything to be involved in, in Australian girls and gay at all um, on that level um, but we do ask, you know, like I do kind of really list um, what I require out of members and that is like a politics-free, no bitching, no reporting to your, you know, your coach like that you rolled with some girl and her arm bars are bad or whatever. There's there's none of that. We're... We, we're to be a unified group to lift each other up uh, as a whole, you know, like and the, the group is used for like discussion and not defamation. So like um, the, the girls can like use the group online to discuss problems that they might be having with say a teammate or a technique or or whatever it is, you know, like it's kind of like the conversation that most guys would have on the mat after the training session or in the change room after the training session, you know, like a lot of that um, – when you're the only chick in the mat, on the mat or the only chick in the change room, <laughs> you miss out on a lot of that conversation or perhaps you're not being invited to the meal after training or whatever. So we provide that online. We provide that that um, communication and support and um, debriefing, you know. Very often there's really positive things that the girls say after their training, you know, like they've finally got a sweep on some, you know, massive blue belt guy or whatever it is, you know, like and we all cheer for her and she's all happy, you know. Like that's what we do on day-to-day. So that's the support on day-to-day. The group um, on Facebook is uh, predominantly women but there are male coaches in that group um, like kind of invitationally, you know, like they're asked to be silent witness in the group. So it is really important that the space is a, a space where women ask questions of women that answer, you know, and that females get the opportunity to see that, in fact, um like all the other women, their peers do have a lot of authority in the, in this field and um, are problem solvers and experienced and all that kind of stuff. So it's really important that the male um, male involvement in that membership online forum is quite silent. Um, but I, those guys also really benefit from it, you know. So they're getting to know, like you've got to understand in Australia with the sport being so young, these guys are learning how to teach women as well. It's not an everyday thing for a lot of them. Um, And a lot of these people are really remote. So, like in Australia, like the key places that you'd be doing BJJ would be probably like the major cities. But there's heaps of jiu-jitsu along the coast, you know. And a lot of the coaches are purple belt guys, um, and they don't have a lot of support. They have like maybe their one trip away to a black belt occasionally. But then, you know, they might have one female female student, and They've never taught a female before. They don't even know how to deal with her size or whatever, you know. Like so, we're supporting everybody in that in that way, you know. Like the teams that want to be involved. So that's the online presence. But then, like my actual life, my 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 real work, I I um create like face to face events. So we do female only competitions throughout Australia. Um, but I try not to focus on the competitions to be honest, because I think that um, that's not like what everybody wants to be doing but it is yeah. what a lot of people want to be doing so I try not to focus fully on that but I do provide it as a service if they want it, mainly for the little girls, you know, like it's it's the under 12s that find that most popular because mine's the only comp that they don't have to fight boys <laughs> which is like a godsend for a lot of them, you know, like it's it's they finally get like because I do round robin style things um, for like ages five and up. So we do get a huge adult's presence to that but we also get predominantly it's little girls. They just want to have a, a wrestle with a, a, a girl, you know, and that very often doesn't happen at the comps for them. So I do that, but I also do, like, seminars all over the place because I want to share my jiu-jitsu with these girls, you know. Like I got to black belt with the help of this group, so I want to share my black belt with them, you know, and that's really important to me. I also, like, travel Australia doing events so that every single woman gets to roll with a female black belt. Like I give my body to that, you know, like I really I really want them to know what they're gunning for and to that end I try to stay really good at this sport (laughs) so what they're gunning for is a really high quality and it's really important to me um, that that that's what they see and that's setting the bar, you know. Like so I I spend a lot of time and money um, cruising Australia trying to get that to happen. Um, And then I do also run camps and they're like, they're awesome. The camp in Melbourne, which is coming up in January, um, and is, I think we've got like maybe 25 tickets left. Um, That camp in January is huge. It's four days. It's like, I think it's six instructors, five assistant instructors. Um, It's nonstop jujitsu and socializing, and it's like all accommodation included. It's um, all meals included, it's out in a bush sitting and there's canoeing and pools and it's just the best thing ever. So that's like the big, the big thing that I spend most of my year working on. Um, and also I do camps in Bali. So I've got one coming up starting on the 21st with Luana. Um, and I always say her last name wrong, but our, Zujia (laughs) Luana, you know, Hall of Famer Luana, everybody knows Luana. She won cc three times, you know, like, so I'm doing a camp with her, which is, um, a quite a different style camp and that's coming up in Bali. Um, yeah. So like I said, the 21st of November to the 25th and that's like a total DIY thing. So you do your own accommodation, your own food, you just meet us at the gym each day and. Yeah, so that's, that's what I do is I, cool. like, I make it happen for the girls,
1: you know. Awesome. Mm. So, so I'm, and I'm gonna, we're going to go back to this one more time. <laughs> but, but I want to stop at, the, at Bali quickly because I've, yeah. I've been following you around social media and I, I see you, you travel a lot. I mean, a lot. You, you, yeah. you pretty much live in Bali almost. I think I saw you at, uh, in, in New York as well around yeah. the States. I think there was a time <laughs> you were in San Francisco or Canada. I can't remember which yeah. one. Yeah. <laughs> um, so so all, all over the place. Now, with all this traveling, I mean, what is, what is the biggest benefit that you're getting? What is the biggest learning experience that you're getting from traveling and training at all these different locations?
0: Um, so the biggest thing that I learned um, this past year, because what I did is I was a brown belt when I left Australia, and I really felt, again, that I had to prove myself um, a little through – competition, which, you know, the biggest lesson is <laughs> for me, obviously, that I don't. <laughs> um, but I uh I went on a big journey, you know, like I, I kinda packed up my life and, and, and left my my lovely boyfriend and left um my job and my house and everything and sold everything to go on this big mission to do a lot of competition. So I had a lot of books like, you know, Worlds and Pan Ams and, and All the Nagas and Chicago Opens and everything you could possibly think of. Um, yeah, Abu Dhabi, everything. Paid for, booked, everything. And I went on the journey and I started – I sort of started in Bali um, and really, you know, worked out that like that was my team and that Justin and I really worked very well together Um and that we would continue to whether it was remotely or not like he's a really great coach from a distance as well so he's such a great mentor to me and he's always like challenging me and and you know asking a lot um, of me technically and so he really has expanded my jiu-jitsu and so I started there and then I came back to run that camp at the beginning of the year um, in January and then I jet set it again and and went to Hawaii and Hawaii was amazing and you know, I was kind of unsure and, and not not really knowing what I was doing. I was sort of being a bit like Pokemon. I was like like finding them and fighting them, you know. <laughs> like, I was just like cruising around, like trying to get to every gym possible in the world and just roll with everyone. I just wanted to feel what other people are doing and like see how they're like staying inspired and stuff because I was feeling a bit stagnant in Melbourne when when I like decided to leave everything behind, you know. So yeah. Um, yeah, I like I was just sort of on a mission, and at the time I was preparing to compete. Uh, I got to um, Vegas, and I hurt myself uh, pretty badly, pretty quickly. Um, so I ruptured my bicep. I did a pretty like major uh, labrum tear on my left shoulder, and and like uh, ruptured the bicep on my left arm. And so I was out of action for a long while, and had to find a way to. I come to terms with that, um, that I'd packed up my whole life to travel for jujitsu and were sidelined like in the first like two weeks, you know? Wow. <laughs> so, um, yeah, like, a, and then within four months, like the, the rupture, the, the bicep fully ruptured and it was a weird thing, you know? Like it, it was kind of hanging on apparently by a thread. And on the Thursday, I fully ruptured it. Funnily enough, ridden naked, choking someone. But <laughs> on the Monday. Yes, <laughs> <As> you do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, on the Monday because it was fully, like, fully detached, I was rolling again and I was at Marcelo Garcia's um, academy by that Monday, you know. So, um, I guess the big journey for me has been about uh, finding a way to be in this sport without, um, without being a competitor, even though I want to be really good at it, you know, and um, just discovering how other people are approaching that. So, um big lessons about acceptance and and friendship and support um in the sport and what what is truly important to me you know because even in the four four and a half months I had off like my love for jiu didn't change and in, in fact my involvement in jiu-jitsu didn't change at all so it really taught me that the physical side of it is is like sort of just like the 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 way to be involved in the community you know like so it it became much more holistic for me um and I am now sort of traveling more more in Australia. Now that I'm traveling Australia, I'm traveling more for the relationships, you know, than the sport. Um, but, yeah, like uh, I guess, yeah, big lessons for me about, like, balance in life, you know, and not, maybe not putting all your eggs in one basket. And, like, you know, even though I was injured, I was traveling. And there's no way that you can wake up in the morning in Vegas as an Australian and think, <laughs> Oh god, it's all bad. Like it's all good. Like you're <laughs> not at work and you're traveling and you've got all these amazing people that you can go and see and you know, like I, I just think that this community really can lift you up even in in some pretty bad times and so um yeah, I traveled and I went and I saw my family. That's why I ended up in Canada and then I trained with um a bunch of teams in Montreal even though I couldn't roll and there was um top team in um Montreal took care of me, you know. I couldn't roll, I couldn't do anything. I couldn't because I was in danger of, of of making this arm worse that we thought was going to get better, you know. And they just let me come in and and drill, you know. These were complete strangers, and they they helped me um, get through a really really hard time in my life. Like they had a, a rack up the back, and so you come in for class with these guys. And Fabio's like is an exceptional team leader, you know. Like he he would let me come in, like really welcome me, like open arms, like remembered me from an Abu Dhabi fight. I fought one of his girls in the final in Abu Dhabi. Is purple, you know, and and she was on the mat preparing for comp. And instead of like, you know, like automatically assuming all oh, you guys will be in the same division, which we would have been for worlds, he was like, "Come on in, you know, <laughs> like jump on the mats." Like, and they had like a, a, a squat rack up the back of the gym, so I'd come in and we'd do like drills that wouldn't hurt me every day for an hour. And then when the guys got to roll, I'd just do squats, you know, like. <laughs> so it was a really nice couple of couple of months with those guys. They really they really supported me. Um, so, to get me back to, to, to the mats and, and they did, you know, like it was it, I got to a point where I could roll light and then I fully ruptured the bicep and as soon as it was gone and I knew I could roll, I was on a plane straight to Garcia's, you know, like it wouldn't be.
1: <laughs> yeah, for sure. So okay. so now this uh, this is gonna be a, maybe a tough one, but let's say you take Marcelo Garcia out of his gym. What yeah. what what would you what is it that stands out training there in comparison with other gyms?
0: Uh, Paul Schreiner <laughs> is the short answer. <laughs>
1: okay.
0: <laughs> so um, for me, I love Marcelo, and like everybody, I look up to him um, in a huge way. I think that his jiu-jitsu is absolutely beautiful. I think his attitude is absolutely beautiful. Um, I see him um, manage a room of of people that are all elite. You know, there's some there's some. Badass guys in that room and girls, you know, like real, real good people, and he's managing all these egos so beautifully, and he does it with such good grace, you know. I'm um, like him and his wife; uh, they're just doing an incredible job with that gym, you know. Like I, I don't know much of the the back workings of that space, but um, you know, I've always been really welcomed in there, and and I'd been out there. Um, it's almost three years ago now, but at the time I was there, I'd been out there two years before for world's prep. And these are people that let me come in as a purple belt, you know, like I paid my fees, which doesn't really allow me like how I was behaving as a purple, but I paid my fees, turned up pre worlds prep, and just was just trying to tear through everyone, you know, like I was like, I'm getting ready for worlds, it's just like my time to just bash people, you know, <laughs> like and like it's like you pay the fees to the gym. But there's these people there that like they train every day. It's their bodies are using for that for that um, pre camp, you know. Like, and maybe they didn't sign up for for your pre camp. Like, maybe your pre camp doesn't mean as much to them as it does to you. And it's kind of, I look back now and I think it was a really unfair way to behave. So, um, yeah, I like I went in there um, this year and was like. Like you wouldn't believe, I walked in with this sling on, and these guys—they remember you, and they remember your whole name, and they remember everything about you, and they run across the room to hug you. You know, like it's just—it's just the most incredible thing. And they're like—they're incredible at the sport. Like they're kind of like my heroes that I follow on Instagram and stuff. You know, like. And so of course, like from my first experience of feeling like that, like with um, Marcelos, where it was so like warmly welcoming, I wanted to go back there. But the biggest thing for me. And though I love Marcelo, like, I, I'm not saying that, like, <laughs> I have favorites, but for me, the first time I was there, Paul Schreiner just blew me away as a coach. He's just, he is just exceptional and he's, he's dedicated his life, I believe, to becoming an exceptional coach, you know, like, he's continually upskilling as a coach. Not like, I don't, like, I'm sure as an athlete, he just loves the sport, so he just gets better by design, you know, but this is a man that, like, invests in, the coaching aspect, which I find is really rare across the board, you know. How so, does, how does that
1: differ? What exactly do you mean? Like, how does how does his coaching differ compared to other coaching? Uh,
0: I think that he is really well studied in like communication, and I think that he like for. And I asked him quite a bit about it, you know, because I, I went back there for him, like like for him. I wanted to just sit myself in front of that guy and just go like just just teach, man. Like I just want to see you teach. I want to see your process and I want to see what you do, you know. Like because, of course, when I hurt myself at the beginning of the year, I had to make a decision about how I wanted to be involved in the sport and I couldn't be involved that year as a competitor and maybe never again, you know. Like I don't know. I'm 37 and I'm broken. Like maybe this is why people quit competing, you know. Like and that's something to come to terms with. But like as far as like my interest and, and what I learned was like I don't want to like just be an exceptional athlete. I want to be an ex- exceptional leader and coach. And I don't think that just comes from being good at a sport. You know, like I, I, I trained for two years to become a, a teacher of yoga, and it wasn't. We weren't just learning how to do do the the act of yoga. We were learning how to teach and how to communicate with different personality types. And you know, it was two years full time study, like it, it, like tertiary study. Like, and I just I just haven't seen really many of my coaches learn how to to teach. They they might be really, like, great at the sport, but, like, I would like to see, and this is what I search for, is exceptional coaches. And I don't think that that just happens, like, accidentally by having, like, a cool personality and being charming, you know. Like, I think that, that happens when people are really interested in the app skill in both departments, not just physically um, as a jiu-jitsu practitioner, you know. Like, they really are learning how to communicate um there's heaps of courses online that i've seen that are, that are available that, that people just don't like utilize you know and and they should like i can't just expect to you know use facebook and and think that i'm going to influence the world if i don't go and find out how social media works <laughs> like you know like and get upskilled use Linda or whatever i'm going to do you know like learn about the thing like it for me it's very clear that paul is investing in in how to coach, and I, I did ask him about it. He said that he studied a lot about um, how Iyengar yoga practice is done and how they approach teaching this thing. That's very like very perfect, very you know um, detailed uh, practice. Like, and uh, I don't know much about like the rest of his background, but it's very clear that he's he's not just upskilling in, or not just focused on the sport. He's he's focused on how to communicate the sport to others which is what a coach is <laughs> like you know so that that if you take Marcelo like to like long 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 story short if you take Marcelo out of that gym oh man there's layers under that you take Marcelo out you've got Paul you take Paul out you've got Bernardo you take Bernardo out you've got Marcus Tinoco who is ridiculously good you know like all of these men are, are really fantastic like athletes and coaches but for me it's Paul Shriner that just blows my mind yeah.
1: Okay so so all in the communication in the process in in so so not as much the expertise but the delivering of the expertise what absolutely what
0: absolutely i mean for me you know like one of my first coaches and he's still a coach he's like uh, my coach uh, martin gonzalez at vanguard in in melbourne you know one of the <laughs> one of the things that he said to me um years ago was that he like he sort of finds um potential offensive you know like <laughs> that that Potential is actually like a waste if it's not realized. It's a waste, you know. Like potential is, is, it should be just the the precursor to something great. Like you should be able to do something with it. And if you don't, like that's on you, you know. Like it's it's not, um, it's, yeah, it's not like the greatest of things. I don't know. Like I I sort of see that like, um, ooh, like communicators like. Uh, the athletes that are really good at this sport are not necessarily the greatest of communicators um they have the potential to be they have like they have all this information that they could hand over to you um but if if they don't like it's valuable to them and them alone and that's totally fine if that's the kind of athlete and like like person that you're going to be um but it's not the side of the, the the sport or the community that that I'm looking for you know what i mean and it, it sort of comes down to like i feel again you know like with australian girls and gay gi, there's like The two groups like the people that the teams that really don't want to be involved in that sort of thing um, and the teams that do and that's cool like I'm all for the teams that do like the ones that want to cross train and get involved they're my tribe they're my people like let's do great things together you know and I'm kind of leaning towards in this sport um, having mentors and leaders that weren't necessarily the greatest of all time even though you know like obviously my is amazing um but like I want them to be the greatest of all time at sharing you know like at sharing their information and what is truly beautiful in a coach is if they're the greatest in the world at sharing information but they also have the greatest jiu-jitsu behind them you know and I used to look at that sort of ass backwards I used to look for like the best in the world you know um athletes but the reality is a lot of them um that have got to that point have had to do so have done so by being by having to be um like really self-focused like i wouldn't say like narcissistic but they have very se- se- self-focused lives you know and to flick that switch just because they've retired might be quite hard for them you know like i don't know it's just stuff that we haven't we haven't looked into and haven't unpacked yet i don't think you know like we don't yeah I don't think that just because you grew out of competition, whether it be through age or injury, that makes you an exceptional coach. No.
1: Excellent. That's that's insightful. A few, a few more questions on that. Now, the reverse of that, what's sort of the worst practice that you see in your travels?
0: Um, oh, don't hold back. <laughs> the worst practice. How do you mean like well, the worst? What like, sort
1: of a what, – what will – why would you avoid training at a, at, a, at a certain job? What is it? What is it that? What is it that you is is this sort of a commonality that you see around the world and whether it's in New York or Bali or, or anywhere that you feel is just it's it's not acceptable. It's not it's not a place that you would train for uh, that reason.
0: Uh, okay, so somewhere that you wouldn't revisit.
1: <laughs> yes. <there>
0: yeah. <laughs> <go>. <laughs> um Yeah. Look uh, to be. To be, like, fair, there's nowhere – everywhere I had on my list, you know, and I had a massive list um, and it changed from time to time. Like, I really want to do, like, a huge East Coast um, of America tour. There's some people down there that are just off the hook, you know. Like, there's such a great run of people, you know. <laughs> like, if you go from New York all the way down to the tip of Florida, they're, like, man, it just never ends, you know. But I just, like, ran out of time and money and stuff. But I – um. Everywhere I went was was really great. Like really like I had a list of people. I didn't I didn't just go and choose um uh, how do I explain? I chose names definitely. Even though I was just said that like I shouldn't do that, but like I've had these dreams of meeting certain people, you know, for a long time like um and so I kind of had a list of names that I wanted to follow. Um and I did ask a lot of questions. There were some people that I had planned to go to, and you know, a couple of people said, Yeah, I don't know, like maybe his like online presence is great, but he's not very good a teacher, you know. So I listened to people, I listened to my peers for guidance and I never really hit any um roadblocks. I did hit um I did hit a bad one in um and I hit two two problems in, in San Diego that I would say um, I wouldn't return for uh, one of them is uh, expense. There's a couple of gyms there that like I I just can't justify it. You know, like it's jujitsu. You know, like I've already spent six thousand dollars to be there <laughs> as an Australian and. And I can't justify $80 a day. I just I just can't do it, you know, like which is really disappointing. Um, so I guess like just out of necessity there was a couple of places that I couldn't return to, um, you know, things like there's a couple of places that um, would require you to either have – would require you to, to like either remove your patches, which I am never going to do for anyone. Like no one's going to tell me to remove my patches, you know, um, and that's fine if that's what they don't want in their gym. Um but – or, like, hire a gi at an exorbitant price or only wear their brand, um, you know, so you get stuck in this loop of, like, wearing – like, getting sort of sold to. So you have to buy all their equipment so you can train with them. And that's that's fine if that's what they want to do. Again, like like I said, you know, like, if people want to be involved, they want to be involved um, with my thing. And I guess that's what this business is, is doing as well um, is just setting the price at, at what they believe is um, – is like the value of their, their, their academy. And I agree with them. It's absolutely worthy of that price. I just can't pay it, you know, like that, that was me as a traveler. Um, if I lived locally, um, yeah, I would probably train there, but (laughs) like, I just can't afford the drop-in prices, you know, so that, that was a roadblock for me. Um, but you know, having said that, I'm happy to pay, you know, like I've paid my way around the world. Like I didn't, um, expect to walk in and have any handouts anywhere i definitely paid everywhere i went and i I pride myself on that i don't i don't want to be in anyone's pocket um it's just i know my limits with costs you know so um Mm -hmm. that was that was one thing um i also really like i had a really um, nasty interaction with a very well regarded black belt at some point in my travels um where he really questioned me about being a nomad he um he We trained and he's been a hero of mine for a long time Um, and so I was really – I was really hurt by it Um, but uh, I understand what happened now. Like I sort of – I came as a visitor and definitely they allow visitors at at that gym um, and welcome them Um, but I believe that that is just because that's just the way that the sport has gone and, and they're sort of backed into a corner to not be closed doors anymore because of their, their fame. Um, but I don't believe that the head of that system likes it. I think that he, in fact, resents it a great deal. I think that he is, um, he he definitely, he, he took me aside and kind of shamed me in front of a bunch of people for, like, being a gypsy, for having more than one team patch on my back, for, like, being on the road, for, like, like a whole bunch of stuff. Kind of said to me, um, look, I can tell... In your jujitsu, jitsu I can tell by the way that you feel when you play jujitsu that you've either never had a master or never let anyone be your master, you know, like really kind of domineering, quite like intimidating, wow. very upsetting conversation where he tried to question everything about me. And that's fine. <laughs> that's cool. I know self-defense. <laughs> <laughs> like, and I mean that on a, like an emotional level, you know, like, so I just was like, oh, okay, cool. Like, that's really interesting. Thanks for that. And and just left, you know, like that's, that's fine. But that I found um, quite alarming. Um, and now that I've been through it, I, I find it like that was, you know, you asked me earlier about, um, the big lessons for the, the trip. And, and I really like, I really thought on that one for a long time. Cause I really loved him. Like I, you know, had all his books and, and I I really loved him. And it was very evident that women on the mat were challenging him and, um, my presence as like a kind of, yeah, he, like, he called me a gypsy as if it was an insult and, um, you know, like all that kind of stuff. And then my, my beautiful coach in Bali, Justin, um, when we spoke and I was like, you know, I had, uh, I I've never mentioned who the person was, but we spoke and, um, I said, I had a kind of hard encounter you know and I spoke about a couple of things and he was like yeah but you're a gypsy like it's the best thing you know like and so I had these two men calling me a gypsy <laughs> one thought it was beautiful and one thought it was horrifying exactly. so it's, 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 more it's of a quite interesting <laughs> yeah you know like but again it comes back down to this thing of like there's there's lots of academies that really like and lots of humans that really respond well to kind of a um A dictatorship like they want they want to thrive in that environment i mean like these are guys that would probably thrive in the army too you know but there's lots of humans that can't join the army and can't thrive in that environment and so i see like like myself and and the people like me that are within the community um that really like to cross train and travel and make this a lifestyle not like a membership um we we really need that, you know, like I went to like say Studio 540, oh my God, like that to me is the most progressive, amazing, like I love what they've done over there, you know, it's like a whole bunch of coaches and they're all elite and Latisha Ribeiro is there and Justin Flores is there and it's just like, it's so good, you know, like it's a melting pot of shared interest and shared joy for this thing by the beach, you know, like it's just, that's everything to me, that like sums up like why I love Bali MMA, you know, and why I love training up here in and, and the Gold Coast and like all over Byron and all this kind of stuff, you know, it's like it's a lifestyle for me and and being called out for it, saying that, you know, like I was doing the wrong thing by not having like respectful lineage or loyalty, um, I was really taken aback by that, um, yeah, with this, with this like he's like, you know, he's a professor and he's somebody I looked up to for a long time and, Yeah. So like the big lesson for me, I guess, apart from, you know, acceptance of of myself and my role in this community was like I sort of, I started to see the correlation between like everybody says it's my family. The team is my family. You know, they talk about this family thing and, and there's all this like, um, push for respect and lineage and, You know, in fact, I kind of like looked at that and I I, I dissected it and looked at like the idea of family and the fact that not all of us, and I'm not talking about my family because my family are wonderful, but like not all of us are lucky enough to be born into the perfect family. You know, like not all of us are lucky enough to have two parents that stay together and are loving and are, um, (laughs) you know, brave enough and, and bold enough to get us through everything we need to to get through you know maybe there's like fractions in the family or or maybe the parents weren't even there or maybe there's a problem with your brother or like whatever it is you know like but there's plenty of people that don't have the perfect family and don't have the luxury of it and to me I've started to see family in that way like lineage definitely in the jiu-jitsu community as a luxury it's actually a, a privilege you know so these men that that are so stern about, you know, like you should have one master and one lineage, and, you know, everything else is a creant or whatever they say, like some kind of swear word or something. I don't know, some insult about like changing teams. Look, you know, the, the thing is, like, if you were lucky enough to get all the way through with one coach and one master that you really like and you still like his jiu jitsu. That is a privilege like no other and you should be happy as hell, you know. Like it's really, like really amazing. And you know what? I'm jealous because some of my my coaches have failed me, you know. Like the reasons that I've bounced is because my my coaches have failed me. One of my coaches had a complete mental breakdown, you know. (laughs) Like it's hard to stay loyal to a guy that's no longer in the sport, you know. Like so having this kind of like not grandmaster but he's pretty close guy call me out for being, you know, a creonte essentially – thought well you know like you're lucky enough to have a like nice uh perfect family with two parents and like a brother and a sister and a dog you know like but the rest of us us orphans that have to band together our bonds are just as real and they're just as important and they're just as worthy and in fact if you got someone like me that's like not had the best like upbringing as it were in jujitsu and she's still in the sport and she's doing great things for the community, I think that should be commended, not condemned, you know. like And, and I guess, like, that's been a big, like, reassurance for me with Australian Girls and gee. Gi. Like, the, the amount of women that I know that, like, have, you know, had a boyfriend at their gym and then when the breakup happens, the boyfriend gets to the gym in the breakup, you know. Like, how can she be loyal to her coach? How is she, like, able to stay, you know, like, perfect lineage, you know, like, all oh, sensei sort of stuff? if she's also got this like real world problem for her that means that her whole life's been turned upside down you know she loses her friends and her her teammates in that exchange and it happens you know like it it happens to women in this sport i'm sure it happens to guys too but more often i see the girl like have to move gyms you know and and i think that those kind of people those people that stay in the sport like that's real loyalty you know they're loyal to the sport and just because um something happened at the gym doesn't mean doesn't mean that they're in the wrong you know like yeah, I think there needs to be an alternative way of looking at cross training because some of us need to, some of us need to. Otherwise, we wouldn't thrive. You know.
1: That's that's excellent. Well, I've got to tell you, I applaud you for your individual, individuality and to <laughs> you know to to do that and to you know it's fun. It's funny and and we, we're probably going to end it end it here. But you know, it, yeah. it, you you almost talk about this whole dictatorship of martial arts, and it's funny. You you're part of this family until you do your own thing. It's all yes. family talk. But, <laughs> but as long as you do as long as you do family our way, it's okay. But if you do family your way, it's wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's that's, right. that's 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 true gold right there. Um Jess, thanks a lot for your time. It's been great chatting to you and it's I I feel like we really hit the mark here on these last 20 minutes. Um yeah. just with your your learning and your experience and 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 I think it'll be great because the majority of the people that listen to this podcast Oh men, and and obviously owners of martial martial arts school owners, mm. and it'd be a great insight for them to get a a lady's perspective of how you know how it is for you on your side and how, mm. how things work. So so with that, yes. with the Australian Girls in Gear, how do how do people get involved with the program?
0: Uh so um, the easiest way, like I would say, is to go to the website and then like. There's a bunch of ways to get actually involved um, with Facebook, but just so you don't have to remember all the different links or whatever, there is links on the on the website. So the website's just www, which is kind of redundant. Um, uh, Australian Girls in Gee. Gi. So there's no S on that last bit. So AustralianGirlsInGee dot com. Um, so that's the website. There's like get involved um, in Australia, and you can become a member or a fan. So the member tab. Um, takes you through to uh, the, the forum, so that's the group. So it would just be facebook.com um, backslash groups backslash Australian Girls and Gees. Gi. So if you sort of do Australian Girls and Gees Gi of any formation on, um, on Facebook, you'll find us. Um, the, but it's important to note that there is two different groups, on well, different areas online in Facebook. So there's the public page and you'll you'll pretty clearly like straight away you'll find that that's a public page because there's no discussion going on that's just like where we're putting all of our updates so the world even knows we exist because otherwise if we're in this closed group forum <laughs> you guys don't get to see it so the closed group forum is in that way for a function we're keeping the girls protected you got to understand that like the first words like Australian girls People like searching that group are not always like desirable, you know. Like I'm glad they're a fan of our work but they're not the same kind of fans we want, you know. So I had to make it a secret group to protect um, the women in there and there's a lot of women in there that, you know, like uh, raise things that they don't want public to see and we're, we're dealing with a lot of like, you know, PTSD and anxiety and, and that kind of stuff and there's a lot of anonymous posts. Like people will message me and they can post anonymously via me. Um but, yeah, so jump on Facebook. Just plug in the words Australian Girls and Geek. You'll find us. There's heaps of events coming up. Like there's always events coming up um, in Australia. And, and yeah, like the, the only one I've got international at the moment is Bali and that's in a couple of weeks. So, yeah, that's awesome. the easiest way to find us. Yeah, just send me straight a message. I, like I'll always like, I'll always get back to people if they send it straight through um, to the page anyway and I can direct you.
1: Yeah. All right, awesome. Just awesome. thank thank you very much for your time. No worries. I hope to speak to you soon.
0: Yeah, great. Thanks, George.
1: Thank you. Cheers. And there you have it. Thank you for listening. If you'd like the transcripts of the show, you can go to martialartsmedia.com forward slash 13. That's the number 13. And I really enjoyed this chat because it's different to what we normally do. Talking about the marketing side of things and people's journeys and so forth, because this is a completely different journey. And Jess is... So well traveled and has got such a lot of experience dealing with different martial arts schools. So it's great to get that perspective. and most importantly of all, a lady's perspective, because in an industry that's mainly mainly male dominated for the most part, it's great to hear the challenges that a lady has trying to fit in with the whole martial arts arena, and you know things that get into the way of politics and you know where she was mentioning about relationships and so forth. There's a few things there that, that you could really take home with your marketing, and especially the coaching side. You know, the one thing that she mentioned was learning from all these experts, it's not always about the expert, but it's the delivery of the content, the delivery of the teaching. So, you know, we all, as martial artists, we all want to learn and improve ourselves, and we got to do that in all areas of life. We've got to do that in, in our business. We've got to do that in our, in our communication and, and everything else. So there we go. Thanks. Thank you very much for listening. We'll be back again. with We've got a few more great interviews lined up and a few solo shows lined up. So watch out for those. Look forward to speaking to you soon. Cheers.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, that will conclude this evening's entertainment. Thanks for listening. If you need help building your martial arts school, check out martialartsmedia.com.